fifth division part one of human all too human a book for free spirits by frederick nietzsche translated by helen zimmern eighteen forty six to nineteen thirty four this librivox recording is in the public domain the signs of higher and lower culture part one two twenty four ennoblement through degeneration history teaches that a race of people is best preserved where the greater number hold one common spirit in consequence of the similarity of their accustomed and indisputable principles in consequence therefore of their common faith thus strength is afforded by good and thorough customs thus is learnt the subjection of the individual and strenuousness of character becomes a birth-gift and afterwards is fostered as a habit the danger to these communities founded on individuals of strong and similar character is that gradually increasing stupidity through transmission which follows all stability like its shadow it is on the more unrestricted more uncertain and morally weaker individuals that depends the intellectual progress of such communities it is they who attempt all that is new and manifold numbers of these perish on account of their weakness without having achieved any specially visible effect but generally particularly when they have descendants they flare up and from time to time inflict a wound on the stable element of the community precisely in this sore and weakened place the community is inoculated with something new but its general strength must be great enough to absorb and assimilate this new thing into its blood deviating natures are of the utmost importance wherever there is to be progress every wholesale progress must be preceded by a partial weakening the strongest natures retain the type the weaker ones help it to develop something similar happens in the case of individuals a deterioration a mutilation even a vice and above all a physical or moral loss is seldom without its advantage for instance a sickly man in the midst of a warlike and restless race will perhaps have more chance of being alone and thereby growing quieter and wiser the one-eyed man will possess a stronger eye the blind man will have a deeper inward sight and will certainly have a keener sense of hearing in so far it appears to me that the famous struggle for existence is not the only point of view from which an explanation can be given of the progress or strengthening of an individual or a race rather must two different things converge firstly the multiplying of stable strength through mental binding in faith and common feeling secondly the possibility of attaining to higher aims through the fact that there are deviating natures and in consequence partial weakening and wounding of the stable strength it is precisely the weaker nature as the more delicate and free that makes all progress at all possible a people that is crumbling and weak in any one part but as a whole still strong and healthy 
is able to absorb the infection of what is new and incorporate it to its advantage the task of education in a single individual is this to plant him so firmly and surely that as a whole he can no longer be diverted from his path then however the educator must wound him or else make use of the wounds which fate inflicts and when pain and need have thus arisen something new and noble can be inoculated into the wounded places with regard to the state machiavelli says that the form of government is of very small importance although half-educated people think otherwise the great aim of statecraft should be duration which outweighs all else inasmuch as it is more valuable than liberty it is only with securely founded and guaranteed duration that continual development and ennobling inoculation are at all possible as a rule however authority the dangerous companion of all duration will rise in opposition to this two twenty five free thinker a relative term we call that man a free thinker who thinks otherwise than is expected of him in consideration of his origin surroundings position and office or by reason of the prevailing contemporary views he is the exception fettered minds are the rule these latter reproach him saying that his free principles either have their origin in a desire to be remarkable or else cause free actions to to be inferred that is to say actions which are not compatible with fettered morality sometimes it is also said that the cause of such and such free principles may be traced to mental perversity and extravagance but only malice speaks thus nor does it believe what it says but wishes thereby to do an injury for the freethinker usually bears the proof of his greater goodness and keenness of intellect written in his face so plainly that the fettered spirits understand it well enough but the two other derivations of free thought are honestly intended as a matter of fact many free thinkers are created in one or other of these ways for this reason however the tenets to which they attain in this manner might be truer and more reliable than those of the fettered spirits in the knowledge of truth what really matters is the possession of it not the impulse under which it was sought the way in which it was found if the free thinkers are right then the fettered spirits are wrong and it is a matter of indifference whether the former have reached truth through immorality or the latter hitherto retained hold of untruths through morality moreover it is not essential to the freethinker that he should hold more correct views but that he should have liberated himself from what was customary be it successfully or disastrously as a rule however he will have truth or at least the spirit of truth investigation on his side he demands reasons the others demand faith two twenty six the origin of faith the fettered spirit does not take up his position from conviction but from habit he is a christian for instance not because he had a comprehension of different creeds and could take his choice he is an englishman not because he decided for england but he found christianity and england ready-made and accepted them without any reason 
just as one who is born in a wine country becomes a wine drinker later on perhaps as he was a christian and an englishman he discovered a few reasons in favour of his habit these reasons may be upset but he is not therefore upset in his whole position for instance let a fettered spirit be obliged to bring forward his reasons against bigamy and then it will be seen whether his holy zeal in favour of monogamy is based upon reason or upon custom the adoption of guiding principles without reasons is called faith two twenty seven conclusions drawn from the consequences and traced back to reason and unreason all states and orders of society professions matrimony education law all these find strength and duration only in the faith which the fettered spirits repose in them that is in the absence of reasons or at least in the averting of inquiries as to reasons the restricted spirits do not willingly acknowledge this and feel that it is a pudendum christianity however which was very simple in its intellectual ideas remarked nothing of this pudendum required faith and nothing but faith and passionately repulsed the demand for reasons it pointed to the success of faith you will soon feel the advantages of faith it suggested and through faith shall ye be saved as an actual fact the state pursues the same course and every father brings up his son in the same way only believe this he says and you will soon feel the good it does this implies however that the truth of an opinion is proved by its personal usefulness the wholesomeness of a doctrine must be a guarantee for its intellectual surety and solidity it is exactly as if an accused person in a court of law were to say my counsel speaks the whole truth for only see what is the result of his speech i shall be acquitted because the fettered spirits retain their principles on account of their usefulness they suppose that the free spirit also seeks his own advantage in his views and only holds that to be true which is profitable to him but as he appears to find profitable just the contrary of that which his compatriots or equals find profitable these latter assume that his principles are dangerous to them they say or feel he must not be right for he is injurious to us two twenty eight the strong good character the restriction of views which habit has made instinct leads to what is called strength of character when any one acts from few but always from the same motives his actions acquire great energy if these actions accord with the principles of the fettered spirits they are recognized and they produce moreover in those who perform them the sensation of a good conscience few motives energetic action and a good conscience compose what is called strength of character the man of strong character lacks a knowledge of the many possibilities and directions of action his intellect is fettered and restricted because in a given case it shows him perhaps only two possibilities between these two he must now of necessity choose in accordance with his whole nature and he does this easily and quickly because he has not to choose between fifty possibilities the educating surroundings aim at fettering every individual by always placing before him the smallest number of possibilities the individual is always treated by his educators as if he were indeed 
something new but should become a duplicate if he makes his first appearance as something unknown unprecedented he must be turned into something known and precedented in a child the familiar manifestation of restriction is called a good character in placing itself on the side of the fettered spirits the child first discloses its awakening common feeling with this foundation of common sentiment he will eventually become useful to his state or rank two twenty nine the standards and values of the fettered spirits there are four species of things concerning which the restricted spirits say they are in the right firstly all things that last are right secondly all things that are not burdens to us are right thirdly all things that are advantageous for us are right fourthly all things for which we have made sacrifices are right the last sentence for instance explains why a war that was begun in opposition to popular feeling is carried on with enthusiasm directly a sacrifice has been made for it the free spirits who bring their case before the form of the fettered spirits must prove that free spirits always existed that free spiritism is therefore enduring that it will not become a burden and finally that on the whole they are an advantage to the fettered spirits it is because they cannot convince the restricted spirits on this last point that they profit nothing by having proved the first and second propositions two thirty esprit four compared with him who has tradition on his side and requires no reasons for his actions the free spirit is always weak especially in action for he is acquainted with too many motives and points of view and has therefore an uncertain and unpractised hand what means exist of making him strong in spite of this so that he will at least manage to survive and will not perish ineffectually what is the source of the strong spirit esprit four this is especially the question as to the production of genius whence comes the energy the unbending strength the endurance with which the one in opposition to accepted ideas endeavours to obtain an entirely individual knowledge of the world two thirty one the rise of genius the ingenuity with which a prisoner seeks the means of freedom the most cold-blooded and patient employment of every smallest advantage can teach us of what tools nature sometimes makes use in order to produce genius a word which i beg will be understood without any mythological and religious flavour she nature begins it in a dungeon and excites to the utmost its desire to free itself or to give another picture some one who has completely lost his way in a wood but who with unusual energy strives to reach the open in one direction or another will sometimes discover a new path which nobody knew previously thus arise geniuses who are credited with originality it has already been said that mutilation crippling or the loss of some important organ is frequently the cause of the unusual development of another organ because this one has to fulfil its own and also another function this explains the source of many a brilliant talent these general remarks on the origin of genius may be applied to the special case the origin of the perfect free spirit two thirty two conjecture as to the origin of free spiritism just as the glaciers increase when in equatorial regions 
the sun shines upon the seas with greater force than hitherto so may a very strong and spreading free spiritism be a proof that somewhere or other the force of feeling has grown extraordinarily two thirty three the voice of history in general history appears to teach the following about the production of genius it ill-treats and torments mankind calls to the passions of envy hatred and rivalry drives them to desperation people against people throughout whole centuries then perhaps like a stray spark from the terrible energy thereby aroused there flames up suddenly the light of genius the will like a horse maddened by the rider's spur thereupon breaks out and leaps over into another domain he who could attain to a comprehension of the production of genius and desires to carry out practically the manner in which nature usually goes to work would have to be just as evil and regardless as nature itself but perhaps we have not heard rightly two thirty four the value of the middle of the road it is possible that the production of genius is reserved to a limited period of mankind's history for we must not expect from the future everything that very defined conditions were able to produce for instance not the astounding effects of religious feeling this has had its day and much that is very question mark good can never grow again because it could grow out of that alone there will never again be a horizon of life and culture that is bounded by religion perhaps even the type of the saint is only possible with that certain narrowness of intellect which apparently has completely disappeared and thus the greatest height of intelligence has perhaps been reserved for a single age it appeared and appears for we are still in that age when an extraordinary long accumulated energy of will concentrates itself as an exceptional case upon intellectual aims that height will no longer exist when this wildness and energy cease to be cultivated mankind probably approaches nearer to its actual aim in the middle of its road in the middle time of its existence than at the end it may be that powers with which for instance art is a condition die out altogether the pleasure in lying in the undefined the symbolical in intoxication in ecstasy might fall into disrepute for certainly when life is ordered in the perfect state the present will provide no more motive for poetry and it would only be those persons who had remained behind who would ask for poetical unreality these then would assuredly look longingly backwards to the times of the imperfect state of half-barbaric society to our times two thirty five genius and the ideal state in conflict the socialists demand a comfortable life for the greatest possible number if the lasting house of this life of comfort the perfect state had really been attained then this life of comfort would have destroyed the ground out of which grow the great intellect and the mighty individual generally i mean powerful energy were this state reached mankind would have grown too weary to be still capable of producing genius must we not hence wish that life should retain its forcible character and that wild forces and energies should continue to be called forth afresh 
but warm and sympathetic hearts desire precisely the removal of that wild and forcible character and the warmest hearts we can imagine desire it the most passionately of all whilst all the time its passion derived its fire its warmth its very existence precisely from that wild and forcible character the warmest heart therefore desires the removal of its own foundation the destruction of itself that is it desires something illogical it is not intelligent the highest intelligence and the warmest heart cannot exist together in one person and the wise man who passes judgment upon life looks beyond goodness and only regards it as something which is not without value in the general summing up of life the wise man must oppose those digressive wishes of unintelligent goodness because he has an interest in the continuance of his type and in the eventual appearance of the highest intellect at least and in the eventual appearance of the highest intellect at least he will not advance the founding of the perfect state inasmuch as there is only room in it for wearied individuals christ on the contrary he whom we may consider to have had the warmest heart advanced the process of making man stupid placed himself on the side of the intellectually poor and retarded the production of the greatest intellect and this was consistent his opposite the man of perfect wisdom this may be safely prophesied will just as necessarily hinder the production of a christ the state is a wise arrangement for the protection of one individual against another if its ennobling is exaggerated the individual will at last be weakened by it even effaced thus the original purpose of the state will be most completely frustrated two thirty six the zones of culture it may be figuratively said that the ages of culture correspond to the zones of the various climates only that they lie one behind another and not beside each other like their geographical zones in comparison with the temperate zone of culture which it is our object to enter the past speaking generally gives the impression of a tropical climate violent contrasts sudden changes between day and night heat and colour splendour the reverence of all that was sudden mysterious terrible the rapidity with which storms broke everywhere that lavish abundance of the provisions of nature and opposed to this in our culture a clear but by no means bright sky pure but fairly unchanging air sharpness even cold at times thus the two zones are contrasts to each other when we see how in that former zone the most raging passions are suppressed and broken down with mysterious force by metaphysical representations we feel as if wild tigers were being crushed before our very eyes in the coils of mighty serpents our mental climate lacks such episodes our imagination is temperate even in dreams there does not happen to us what former people saw waking but should we not rejoice at this change even granted that artists are essentially spoiled by the disappearance of the tropical culture and find us non-artists a little too timid in so far artists are certainly right to deny progress for indeed it is doubtful whether the last three thousand years show an advance in the arts in the same way a metaphysical philosopher like schopenhauer would have no cause to acknowledge progress with a regard to metaphysical philosophy and religion if he glanced back over the last four thousand years for us however the existence even of the temperate zones of culture is progress two thirty seven renaissance and reformation 
the italian renaissance contained within itself all the positive forces to which we owe modern culture such were the liberation of thought the disregard of authorities the triumph of education over the darkness of tradition enthusiasm for science and the scientific past of mankind the unfettering of the individual an ardor for truthfulness and a dislike of delusion and mere effect which ardor blazed forth in an entire company of artistic characters who with the greatest moral purity required from themselves perfection in their works and nothing but perfection yes the renaissance had positive forces which have as yet never become so mighty again in our modern culture it was the golden age of the last thousand years in spite of all its blemishes and vices on the other hand the german reformation stands out as an energetic protest of antiquated spirits who were by no means tired of mediaeval views of life and who received the signs of its dissolution the extraordinary flatness and alienation of the religious life with deep dejection instead of with the rejoicing that would have been seemly with their northern strength and stiff neckedness they threw mankind back again brought about the counter-reformation that is a catholic christianity of self-defence with all the violences of a state of siege and delayed for two or three centuries the complete awakening and mastery of the sciences just as they probably made forever impossible the complete intergrowth of the antique and the modern spirit the great task of the renaissance could not be brought to a termination this was prevented by the protest of the contemporary backward german spirit which for its salvation had had sufficient sense in the middle ages to cross the alps again and again it was the chance of an extraordinary constellation of politics that luther was preserved and that his protest gained strength for the emperor protected him in order to employ him as a weapon against the pope and in the same way he was secretly favoured by the pope in order to use the protestant princes as a counterweight against the emperor without this curious counterplay of intentions luther would have been burnt like huss and the morning sun of enlightenment would probably have risen somewhat earlier and with a splendour more beauteous than we can now imagine two thirty eight justice against the becoming god when the entire history of culture unfolds itself to our gaze as a confusion of evil and noble of true and false ideas and we feel almost seasick at the sight of these tumultuous waves we then understand what comfort resides in the conception of a becoming god this deity is unveiled ever more and more throughout the changes and fortunes of mankind it is not all blind mechanism a senseless and aimless confusion of forces the deification of the process of being is a metaphysical outlook seen as from a lighthouse overlooking the sea of history in which a far too historical generation of scholars found their comfort this must not arouse anger however erroneous the view may be only those who like schopenhauer deny development also feel none of the misery of this historical wave and therefore because they know nothing of that becoming god and the need of his supposition they should in justice withhold their scorn two thirty nine the fruits according to their seasons every better future that is desired for mankind is necessarily in many respects also a worse future for it is foolishness to suppose that a new higher grade of humanity will combine in itself all the good points of former grades and must produce for instance the highest form of art 
rather has every season its own advantages and charms which exclude those of the other seasons that which has grown out of religion and in its neighbourhood cannot grow again if this has been destroyed at the most straggling and belated offshoots may lead to deception on that point like the occasional outbreaks of remembrance of the old art a condition that probably betrays the feeling of loss and deprivation but which is no proof of the power from which a new art might be born two forty the increasing severity of the world the higher culture an individual attains the less field there is left for mockery and scorn voltaire thanked heaven from his heart for the invention of marriage and the church by which it had so well provided for our cheer but he in his time and before him the sixteenth century had exhausted their ridicule on this theme everything that is now made fun of on this theme is out of date and above all too cheap to tempt a purchaser causes are now inquired after ours is an age of seriousness who cares now to discern laughingly the difference between reality and pretentious sham between that which man is and that which he wishes to represent the feeling of this contrast has quite a different effect if we seek reasons the more thoroughly any one understands life the less he will mock though finally perhaps he will mock at the thoroughness of his understanding two forty one the genius of culture if any one wished to imagine a genius of culture what would it be like it handles as its tools falsehood force and thoughtless selfishness so surely that i could only be called an evil demoniacal being but its aims which are occasionally transparent are great and good it is a centaur half beast half man and in addition has angels wings upon its head two forty two the miracle education interest in education will acquire great strength only from the moment when belief in a god and his care is renounced just as the art of healing you only flourish when the belief in miracle cures cease so far however there is universal belief in the miracle education out of the greatest disorder and confusion of aims and unfavourableness of conditions the most fertile and mighty men have been seen to grow could this happen naturally soon these cases will be more closely looked into more carefully examined but miracles will never be discovered in similar circumstances countless persons perish constantly the few saved have therefore usually grown stronger because they endured these bad conditions by virtue of an inexhaustible inborn strength and this strength they had also exercised and increased by fighting against these circumstances thus the miracle is explained an education that no longer believes in miracles must pay attention to three things first how much energy is inherited secondly by what means can new energy be aroused thirdly how can the individual be adapted to so many and manifold claims of culture without being disquieted and destroying his personality in short how can the individual be initiated into the counterpoint of private and public culture how can he lead the melody and at the same time accompany it two forty three the future of the physician there is now no profession which would admit of such an enhancement as that of the physician that is after the spiritual physicians the so-called pastors are no longer allowed to practise their conjuring tricks to public applause and a cultured person gets out of their way 
the highest mental development of a physician has not yet been reached even if he understands the best and newest methods is practised in them and knows how to draw those rapid conclusions from effects to causes for which the diagnostics are celebrated besides this he must possess a gift of eloquence that adapts itself to every individual and draws his heart out of his body a manliness the sight of which alone drives away all despondency the canker of all sick people the tact and softness of a diplomatist in negotiations between such as have need of joy for their recovery and such as for reasons of health must and can give joy the acuteness of a detective and an attorney to divine the secrets of a soul without betraying them in short a good physician now has need of all the artifices and artistic privileges of every other professional class thus equipped he is then ready to be a benefactor to the whole of society by increasing good works mental joys and fertility by preventing evil thoughts projects and villainies the evil source of which is so often the belly by the restoration of a mental and physical aristocracy as a maker and hinderer of marriages by judiciously checking all so-called soul torments and pricks of conscience thus from a medicine man he becomes a saviour and yet need work no miracle neither is he obliged to let himself be crucified two forty four in the neighbourhood of insanity the sum of sensations knowledge and experiences the whole burden of culture therefore has become so great that an overstraining of nerves and powers of thought is a common danger indeed the cultivated classes of european countries are throughout neurotic and almost every one of their great families is on the verge of insanity in one of their branches true health is now sought in every possible way but in the main a diminution of that tension of feeling of that oppressive burden of culture is needful which even though it might be bought at a heavy sacrifice would at least give us room for the great hope of a new renaissance to christianity to the philosophers poets and musicians we owe an abundance of deeply emotional sensations in order that these may not get beyond our control we must invoke the spirit of science which on the whole makes us somewhat colder and more sceptical and in particular cools the faith in final and absolute truths it is chiefly through christianity that it has grown so wild two forty five the bell founding of culture culture has been made like a bell within a covering of coarser commoner material falsehood violence the boundless extension of every individual eye of every separate people this was the covering is it time to take it off has the liquid set have the good and useful impulses the habits of the nobler nature become so certain and so general that they no longer require to lean on metaphysics and the errors of religion no longer have need of hardnesses and violence as powerful bonds between man and man people and people no sign from any god can any longer help us to answer this question our own insight must decide the earthly rule of man must be taken in hand by man himself his omniscience must watch over the further fate of culture with a sharp eye two forty six the cyclops of culture whoever has seen those furrowed basins which once contained glaciers will hardly deem it possible that a time will come when the same spot will be a valley of woods and meadows and streams it is the same in the history of mankind 
the wildest forces break the way destructively at first but their activity was nevertheless necessary in order that later on a milder civilization might build up its house these terrible energies that which is called evil are the cyclopic architects and road-makers of humanity two forty seven the circulation of humanity it is possible that all humanity is only a phase of development of a certain species of animal of limited duration men may have grown out of the ape and will return to the ape again without anybody taking an interest in the ending of this curious comedy just as with the decline of roman civilization and its most important cause the spread of christianity there was a general uglification of man within the roman empire so through the eventual decline of general culture there might result a far greater uglification and finally an animalizing of man till he reached the ape but just because we are able to face this prospect we shall perhaps be able to avert such an end two forty eight the consoling speech of a desperate advance our age gives the impression of an intermediate condition the old ways of regarding the world the old cultures still partially exist the new are not yet sure and customary and hence are without decision and consistency it appears as if everything would become chaotic as if the old were being lost the new worthless and ever becoming weaker but this is what the soldier feels who is learning to march for a time he is more uncertain and awkward because his muscles are moved sometimes according to the old system and sometimes according to the new and neither gains a decisive victory we waver but it is necessary not to lose courage and give up what we have newly gained moreover we cannot go back to the old we have burnt our boats there remains nothing but to be brave whatever happens march ahead only get forward perhaps our behaviour looks like progress but if not then the words of frederick the great may also be applied to us and indeed as a consolation ah mon cher souset vous ne connaissez pas assez cette phrase maudite à la quelle nous appartenons two forty nine suffering from past culture whoever has solved the problem of culture suffers from a feeling similar to that of one who has inherited unjustly gotten riches or of a prince who reigns thanks to the violence of his ancestors he thinks of their origin with grief and is often ashamed often irritable the whole sum of strength joy vigour which he devotes to his possessions is often balanced by a deep weariness he cannot forget their origin he looks despondingly at the future he knows well that his successors will suffer from the past as he does two fifty manners good manners disappear in proportion as the influence of a court and an exclusive aristocracy lessens this decrease can be plainly observed from decade to decade by those who have an eye for public behaviour which grows visibly more vulgar no one any longer knows how to court and flatter intelligently hence arises the ludicrous fact that in cases where we must render actual homage to a great statesman or artist for instance the words of deepest feeling of simple peasant-like honesty have to be borrowed owing to the embarrassment resulting from the lack of grace and wit thus the public ceremonious meeting of men appears ever more clumsy but more full of feeling and honesty without really being so but must there always be a decline in manners it appears to me rather that manners take a deep curve and that we are approaching their lowest point when society has become sure of its intentions and principles so that they have a moulding effect the manners we have learnt from former 
moulding conditions are now inherited and always more weakly learnt there will then be company manners gestures and social expressions which must appear as necessary and simply natural because they are intentions and principles the better division of time and work the gymnastic exercise transformed into the accompaniment of all beautiful leisure increased and severe meditation which brings wisdom and suppleness even to the body will bring all this in its train here indeed we might think with a smile of our scholars and consider whether as a matter of fact they who wish to be regarded as the forerunners of that new culture are distinguished by their better manners this is hardly the case although their spirit may be willing enough their flesh is weak the past of culture is still too powerful in their muscles they still stand in a fettered position and are half worldly priests and half dependent educators of the upper classes and besides this they have been rendered crippled and lifeless by the pedantry of science and by antiquated spiritless methods in any case therefore they are physically and often three-fourths mentally still the courtiers of an old even antiquated culture and as such are themselves antiquated the new spirit that occasionally inhabits these old dwellings often serves only to make them more uncertain and frightened in them there dwell the ghosts of the past as well as the ghosts of the future what wonder if they do not wear the best expression or show the most pleasing behaviour two fifty one the future of science to him who works and seeks in her science gives much pleasure to him who learns her facts very little but as all important truths of science must gradually become commonplace and everyday matters even this small amount of pleasure ceases just as we have long ceased to take pleasure in learning the admirable multiplication table nor if science goes on giving less pleasure in herself and always takes more pleasure in throwing suspicion on the constellations of metaphysics religion and art that greatest of all sources of pleasure to which mankind owes almost its whole humanity becomes impoverished therefore a higher culture must give man a double brain two brain chambers so to speak one to feel science and the other to feel non-science which can lie side by side without confusion divisible exclusive this is a necessity of health in one part lies the source of strength in the other lies the regulator it must be heated with illusions one-sidednesses passions and the malicious and dangerous consequences of overheating must be averted by the help of conscious science if this necessity of the higher culture is not satisfied the further course of human development can almost certainly be foretold the interest in what is true ceases as it guarantees less pleasure illusion error and imagination reconquer step by step the ancient territory because they are united to pleasure the ruin of science the relapse into barbarism is the next result mankind must begin to weave its web afresh after having like penelope destroyed it during the night but who will assure us that it will always find the necessary strength for this two fifty two the pleasure in discernment why is discernment that essence of the searcher and the philosopher connected with pleasure firstly and above all because thereby we become conscious of our strength for the same reason that gymnastic exercises even without spectators are enjoyable secondly because in the course of knowledge we surpass older ideas and their representatives and become or believe ourselves to be conquerors thirdly because even a very little new knowledge exalts us above every one and makes us feel we are the only ones who know the subject aright these are the three most important reasons of the pleasure but there are many others according to the nature of the discerner a not inconsiderable index of such is given where no one would look for it in a passage of my paranetic work on schopenhauer 
with the arrangement of which every experienced servant of knowledge may be satisfied even though he might wish to dispense with the ironical touch that seems to pervade those pages for if it be true that for the making of a scholar a number of very human impulses and desires must be thrown together that the scholar is indeed a very noble but not a pure metal and consists of a confused blending of very different impulses and attractions the same thing may be said equally of the making and nature of the artist the philosopher and the moral genius and whatever glorified great names there may be in that list everything human deserves ironical consideration with respect to its origin therefore irony is so superfluous in the world two fifty three fidelity is a proof of validity it is a perfect sign of a sound theory if during forty years its originator does not mistrust it but i maintain that there has never yet been a philosopher who has not eventually deprecated the philosophy of his youth perhaps however he has not spoken publicly of this change of opinion for reasons of ambition or what is more probable in noble natures out of delicate consideration for his adherents two fifty four the increase of what is interesting in the course of higher education everything becomes interesting to man he knows how to find the instructive side of a thing quickly and to put his finger on the place where it can fill up a gap in his ideas or where it may verify a thought through this boredom disappears more and more and so does excessive excitability of temperament finally he moves among men like a botanist among plants and looks upon himself as a phenomenon which only greatly excites his discerning instinct two fifty five the superstition of the simultaneous simultaneous things hold together it is said a relative dies far away and at the same time we dream about him consequently but countless relatives die and we do not dream about them it is like shipwrecked people who make vows afterwards in the temples we do not see the votive tablets of those who perished a man dies and owl hoots a clock stops all at one hour of the night must there not be some connection such an intimacy with nature as this supposition implies is flattering to mankind this species of superstition is found again in a refined form in historians and delineators of culture who usually have a kind of hydrophobic horror of all that senseless mixture in which individual and national life is so rich end of fifth division part one